Welcome back to episode 2 of Into the Dark. My name is Sharath and I'm not going to waste any more time and get right into today's episode. Today we are going to discuss about an unsolved murder known famously as the Black Dahlia murder. So sit back, relax and like last time, lend me your ears for the next few minutes. Bear with me because the Black Dahlia murder is a slightly long discussion with a lot of information to pay attention to. On the morning of January 15, 1947, a mother taking her child for a walk in a Los Angeles neighborhood stumbled upon a gruesome sight. The body of a young, naked woman sliced clean in half at the waist. The body was just a few feet from the sidewalk and posed in such a way that the mother reportedly thought it was a mannequin at first glance. Despite the extensive mutilation and cuts on the body, there wasn't a drop of blood at the scene. indicating that the young woman had been killed elsewhere the young woman turned out to be 22 year old hollywood hopeful named elizabeth shot later dubbed the black dahlia by the press for her rumored pension for sheer black clothes and for the blue dahlia movie out at that time a native of boston shot spent her early life in medford massachusetts and florida before relocating to california where her father lived It is commonly held that Shot was an aspiring actress, though she had no known acting credits or jobs during her time in Los Angeles. She would acquire the nickname of Black Dahlia posthumously. On January 9, 1947, Shot returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley, a 25-year-old married salesman she had been dating. Manley stated that he dropped Shot off at the Piltmore Hotel located at 506 South Grand Avenue in downtown Los Angeles, and that Shot was to meet her sister who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. By some accounts, staff of the Biltmore recalled having seen Shot using the lobby telephone. Shortly after, she was allegedly seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge at 754 South Olive Street, approximately 0.4 miles away from the Biltmore Hotel. On the morning of January 15th, 1947, Shot's naked body was found severed into two pieces on a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue. Local resident Betty Berzinger discovered the body at approximately 10 a.m. while walking with her 3-year-old daughter. Berzinger initially thought she had found a discarded store mannequin. When she realized it was a corpse, she rushed to a nearby house and telephoned the police. Shot's severely mutilated body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood, leaving her skin a pallid white. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her time of death either sometime during the evening of January 14th or the early morning hours of January 15th. Shot's face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile. 
She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her back. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles and her legs spread apart. Seems like the work of a psychopath, doesn't it? But I believe the killer was actually a sociopath and not a psychopath. The reason for that is because after everything the killer did, before disposing of the body, he washed the entire body. This is not something a psychopath would ever take the time to do. This act of cleaning his victim represents guilt or remorse in what he has done. Not something a psychopath could ever feel. Now, we move on to the investigation that was conducted. There were many letters sent to police stations of people claiming to be the Black Dahlia killer, but none were ever verified to be true. On March 14th, an apparent suicide note scrawled in pencil on a bit of fool's cap was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean's edge at the foot of Breeze Avenue, Venice. The note read, To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry. The pile of clothing was first seen by a peach caretaker who reported the discovery to John Dillon, lifeguard captain. Dillon immediately notified Captain L.E. Christensen of West Los Angeles Police Station. The clothes included a coat and trousers of a blue herringbone tweed, a brown and white Y-shirt, white jockey shorts, tan socks and tan moccasin leisure shoes, size about 8. The clothes, though, gave no clue about the identity of their owner. One of the potential suspects was Mark Hansen. Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theatre owner and an acquaintance at whose home Schott had stayed with friends. And Toth, Schott's friend and roommate, told investigators that Schott had recently rejected sexual advances from Hansen and suggested it as potential cause for him to kill her. However, he was cleared of suspicion in the case. In addition to Hansen, the Los Angeles Police Department interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks whom they believed to be potential suspects. Manley, who had been one of the last people to see short life, was also investigated, but was cleared of suspicion after passing numerous polygraph examinations. Police also interviewed several persons found listed in Hansen's address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of Short's. Lewis was able to provide an alibi for the date of Short's murder as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law who was dying of kidney failure. So from this paragraph, we realize that Hansen seemed to have motive because Short had rejected sexual advances from him. But it's not strong enough to believe that he was the killer. On the other hand, 
Manly, who was also investigated and passed polygraph examinations, could also have been the killer because there is the possibility that he cheated the polygraph examination and it is not completely impossible. The graphic nature of the crime and the subsequent letters received by the examiner had resulted in a media frenzy surrounding Schott's murder. Both local and national publications covered the story heavily, many of which reprinted sensationalistic reports suggesting that Schott had been tortured for hours prior to her death. The information, however, was false. Yet, police allowed the reports to circulate so as to conceal Schott's true cause of death. Cerebral hemorrhage from the public. On February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had run into a stone wall with no new leads for investigators to pursue. The examiner continued to run stories on the murder and the investigation, which was front page news for 35 days following the discovery of the body. When interviewed, lead investigator Captain Jack Donahue told the press that he believed Schott's murder had taken place in a remote building or shack on the outskirts of Los Angeles and her body transported into the city where it was disposed of. Based on the precise cuts and dissection of Schott's corpse, the LAPD looked into the possibility that the murderer may have been a surgeon, doctor or someone with medical knowledge. In mid-February 1947, the LAPD served a warrant to the University of Southern California Medical School, which was located near the site where Schott's body had been discovered, requesting a complete list of the program's students. The university agreed so long as the students' identities remained private. Background checks were conducted, but they yielded no results. In 2003, Ralph Asdell, one of the original detectives on the case, told the Times that he believed he had interviewed Schott's killer, a man who had been seen with his sedan parked near the vacant lot where her body was discovered in the early morning hours of January 15, 1947. A neighbor driving by that day stopped to dispose of a bag of lawn clippings in the vacant lot when he saw a parked sedan, allegedly with its right rear door open. The driver of the sedan was standing in the lot, his arrival apparently startled the owner of the sedan, who approached his car and peered in the window before returning to the sedan and driving away. The owner of the sedan was followed to a local restaurant where he worked, but was ultimately cleared of suspicion. By the spring of 1947, Schott's murder had become a cold case with few new leads. Sergeant Finnis Brown, one of the lead detectives on the case, blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reporters' probing of details and unverified reporting. In September 1949, a grand jury convened to discuss inadequacies in the LAPD's homicide unit based on their failure to solve numerous murders, especially those of women and children. In the past several years, Schatz was one of them. In the aftermath of the grand jury, further investigation was done on Schott's past, with detectives tracing her movements between Massachusetts, California and Florida, and also interviewed people who knew her in Texas and New Orleans. However, the interviews yielded no useful information in the murder. By this point, 
the police had realized that this case was going nowhere and it was closed. Shot's murder had been described as one of the most brutal and culturally enduring crimes in American history and Times Magazine listed it as one of the most infamous unsolved cases in the world. For all we know, the murderer could still be out there and he could have committed more crimes that were either unheard of or were just not brutal enough to make the news like the Black Dahlia murder did. It is also possible that the murderer had killed before in preparation for the Black Dahlia murder. For example, several crime authors as well as Cleveland detective Peter Merlo have suspected a link between the shot murder and the Cleveland Tosso murders, which took place in Cleveland, Ohio between 1934 and 1938. As part of the investigation into other murders that took place before and after the shot killing, the original LAPD investigators studied the Torso murders in 1947 but later discounted any relationship between the two cases. In 1980, new evidence implicating a former Torso murder suspect Jack Anderson Wilson, aka Arnold Smith, was investigated by Detective St. John in relation to Shot's murder. He claimed he was close to arresting Wilson for Schott's murder, but that Wilson died in a fire on February 1982. So till today, the killer has not been caught. For all we know, he could possibly still be alive, though he definitely would be too old to kill again. Black Dahlia remains as one of the most famous unsolved cases. So well, that's a wrap. Hope the thought of a gruesome killer still wandering out there makes you realize that the person living next door could probably be a serial killer. Or this could have probably awoken the hidden serial killer inside you. Either way, I hope it does have an effect on you. I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.